Hello, and welcome to the White's Chapel Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen to our weekly sermons. This is a quick way to enjoy or even revisit a recent message. We're wrapping up a series that we've had such a good time dealing with called Contents Under Pressure. We're used to seeing that sign when you see it on a bottle or a tank. We know that's kind of a warning sign. Be careful. Uh, Something is dangerous here. Something might explode. And one of the statements we've been saying is that every one of us can be wearing a sign like that. You know, every one of us is under pressure. Every season of life, every stage of life, our pressures are different, and yet we all have them. And so what we've been doing is every week in August, looking at these pressures, thinking about how to identify them, how to have a strategy to cope with them. So you remember we began by talking about the pressure to achieve, and then we talked about peer pressure. And last week we talked about time crunch, and today we're talking about the battlefield of the mind, the battlefield of the mind, which is so important, because we're never going to be able to deal with our pressures until we deal with how we think. This is where our strategy to cope with life begins up here in our minds. I remember how the former British Prime Minister, Benjamin Disraeli, put it. In very profound words, he said, nurture your mind with great thoughts, for you will never go any higher than you think. Isn't that true? Nurture your mind with great thoughts. We will never go any higher than you think. But I wonder how many of us get stuck in the ruts of our own thinking. We deal with our life and our issues and our schedules and our problems, and we forget sometimes the majesty and the glory of God, the grandeur of God that Doug Terry sang about so beautifully from Psalm 145. Sometimes we need to remember that and who we are in the midst of God's creation, because when we don't, what happens, we get stuck with our old worldview, our understanding, and our thoughts are too small. So we have to begin by understanding that. And I remember an old story, and you may remember it, that helps us wrap our minds around it, about a leading scientist who went to God one day and said, Lord, you know, we've reached the place that we really don't need you anymore. We've advanced so much scientifically. We can do amazing things. We can clone people. We can do transplants of organs. We do things that were once considered miracles all the time. God, we just don't need you anymore. And the Lord listened to him and said, really? Is that what you think? Well, why don't we put your theory to a test? Why don't you and I have a contest and each one of us make a human being? And the scientist said, that's great, you're on. And God said, well, why don't we do it like I did way back in the beginning when I made Adam? Well, the scientist said, that's wonderful, that's great. And he reached down and he scooped up a big old handful of dirt. And as soon as he did that, God spoke to him and said, now wait just a minute, not so fast. You go get your own dirt. And I want to say a word to our young people that think that is the corniest story they ever heard. There's a powerful point there I want us to see. Every day in our lives and in our thinking, we need to remember who we are and who God is. We need to remember who is the creature and who is the creator. And when we do that, we will start to wrap our minds and fill our minds with the wonder of God's creation, the miracles 
of this universe that he created, but the fact that God is still creating. We need to fill our minds with those thoughts and with those promises of faith. In fact, we forget that sometimes, don't we? I don't know if you saw the report. The Surgeon General put a report out earlier this year and said there is a new epidemic that creates illness in our nation, and it's the epidemic of loneliness. And you read the study, and it said that 63% of men in our nation are lonely. 58% of women are lonely. And when people are lonely, um, it just detracts from their health in pretty dramatic ways. And in fact, they discovered that being on social media actually makes loneliness worse rather than making it better. So in the study, they said people that are lonely, higher at risk for depression, higher at risk for anxiety. And then I jotted down some of the other stats. People that are lonely, 32% greater risk to have a stroke, 50% greater risk to develop dementia, 60% greater risk of having a premature death. So what's the answer to the epidemic of loneliness? We're here sharing in it. It's the church. It's the church. We are called to be followers of Jesus Christ and to live with him and walk with him. But our faith is not just a personal belief that we have. When we believe in Christ, we come together with other believers and we connect together and we live the faith together and we share the faith together and we cry together and we laugh together. We, we find our purpose and our mission and our calling together. And when we're the church, we handle troubles differently. We think differently. That's how we deal with the pressures and the loneliness all around us. And we see this in a beautiful way in our scripture lesson for today. So if you have your Bibles, let's turn to 2 Corinthians. We're going to look at chapter 1 and read verses 3 and 4. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all consolation, who consoles us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to console those who are in any affliction with the consolation with which we ourselves are consoled by God. I love what's going on with this scripture. Remember Paul, the Apostle Paul was a church planter, and he started this church in Corinth, and when he left, things kind of got bad in the church. People started kind of arguing and disagreeing and dividing. There was disunity in the church. Different teachers were teaching different doctrine, and they were arguing and squabbling with each other. And Paul gets wind of it, and he writes them a letter. And in this letter, he's pretty honest. He's pretty direct. He calls them out, and he basically paints a picture of how people are to live together in the body of Christ how to live together in love. And the letter actually is a little stern, a little harsh. And so after he sends it, he's waiting for feedback for how did they receive this letter? And no word comes. So he's thinking, oh no, did they take this in the right spirit? Are they going to handle this okay? He was really starting to get worried about their response to his letter. And so finally he sends one of his fellow workers, Titus, to go back to Corinth to check, see what's going on in the church. How was the letter received? So he sends uh, Titus off, and I love this moment. The Apostle Paul was a lot like me. He was not very patient. 
because Titus didn't get back quick enough, and he didn't get a response quick enough, and he's worried. And finally, he thought, I can't take this waiting anymore. He heads off to Corinth himself, and along the road, he meets Titus coming back, and Titus shares with him good news. He said, your letter was well-received. The people have responded positively. There's a new spirit of love and community in this church, and the apostle Paul is overjoyed. He's overwhelmed. He's filled with joy and excitement. And so he writes this second letter that we know as 2 Corinthians to the church to arrive before he gets there. And in that passage, I love these words. He says, remember, we worship a father of mercies, a God of all consolation who consoles us in all our affliction. Think about that word console. Really important word for us. Console means to alleviate grief, to alleviate a sense of loss, to alleviate our trouble, or to give comfort. Think about it. In our problems, in our heartache, in our struggles, if we know that God's desire is to come and to comfort us, to console us, if we know that's true, then you and I can do fight the battle of our minds and see life differently. When we start to fight the battle of our minds, we understand that when bad things happen, we don't need to get stuck in our thoughts, our obsessive thinking. Am I the only one that does that? Instead, when these thoughts are negative and they're overwhelming to us, we need to pray for the Holy Spirit to come and guide us and show us the way. We need to pray the prayer over and over again. Christ be in my mind. 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 Lord, I need your consolation, your comfort, your healing. And then when we fight the battle of our minds, we understand that when we have a problem or an issue, we can't always fix it like that. Sometimes what we have to do is we have to walk a little while with the problem. We need to walk with it because as we walk with our problem, God is consoling us and comforting us and healing us. And as we walk, we are changed, we are tenderized, we are softened, we are prepared for something more wonderful that is just ahead right down the road. I love that. Instead of us trying to fix our problems, sometimes what we need to do is just, just walk with them for a bit. To walk with our problems, to, to invite the Holy Spirit into our problems. To ask the Holy Spirit to accompany us, to ask the Holy Spirit to walk with us through our problems. To ask the Holy Spirit to walk with us through our, our depression and our anxiety and our grief and our loneliness, our fear. Because we, we don't need the Surgeon General to tell us what we already know. We already know that we have a mental health crisis in our country. But I submit to us this morning that the heart of our mental health crisis is a spiritual health crisis. 
We focus so much on our bodies and we focus so much on our minds, but we've almost all but forgotten our souls. And every single strike, every single struggle, every single fight, every single fight that we will fight up here, it has its counterpart right down here, a spiritual component. And that's the sneaky thing about pressure. Pressure has this, this extraordinary way of, of making what's on the inside of us, our, our, our contents. Pressure has this very sneaky, very extraordinary way of making what's on the inside of us come out. Our discontents. And the only way, friends, the only way to the other side, the only way to, to the happiness and the joy and the peace and the hope that we were promised on the other side, the only way to get there is through. There's no around. There's no just standing still. There's only through. Walking through. And so you and me, we, we got to put on our walking shoes. And that starts with honesty. That starts with us being willing to talk about it, whatever it is, whatever it is that we're struggling with, whatever it is that we're fighting with up here and, and down here talking about it, not denying it, but naming it. In fact, have you ever noticed? Have you ever noticed how many times throughout the Gospels people will come to, to Jesus and they will need something, they will need healing? Have you ever noticed how many times those people come to Jesus and He asks them what they want Him to do for them? And we're like, Lord, isn't it obvious? The blind want to see. The, the deaf want to hear. And surely Jesus already knew that. What Jesus wanted, Jesus wanted them to name their need. Because there's just, there's just something about naming things. It's like whenever the garrison demoniac confesses his name as legion and then experiences all the power of heaven as Jesus casts them all out. There's just something about naming things that's, that's powerful. Us naming our need us naming our brokenness, us inviting others in, us inviting the, the Holy Spirit in. There's something powerful about that. In fact, there's a, there's a line. There's a line in, uh, in my, my wedding liturgy, the line I use in all my weddings, and I stole it from someone years ago. I don't remember who I stole it from. Uh, um, but, but the line says that a joy shared is a joy doubled and a sorrow shared is a sorrow halved. And, uh, and I don't know about y'all this morning, but I sure would like my sorrow halved. And I don't know about y'all this morning, but I sure would like my shame halved. And I don't know about y'all this morning, but I sure would like my struggle halved. But here's the thing, here's the fascinating thing. Jesus comes along and, and Jesus tells us that we don't even have to carry our half because he wants it all. Jesus will take it all. My burden is light, he says. See, it's us baby stepping. 
It's us baby-stepping our way to, to healing. Um, but, but I'll be honest with you. I'll be really honest with y'all this morning. Sometimes I struggle with that. Sometimes I, I struggle at naming things. I, sometimes I struggle with, with naming what I'm feeling, naming what I'm going through. I have a hard time giving it a name. And, and, and it's not, I promise Dr. Nina, I promise you, it's not that I'm trying to be evasive. It's really that I just don't know. It's that I'm not really good with my emotions. It's kind of like foreign territory. Y'all remember, I'm, I, I'm, I'm the head. He's the heart. I mean, he's like almost too much heart. Uh, um, it's new territory for me. I just don't have the, the emotional vocabulary in order to, to put into words, in, in order to articulate sometimes what it is that I'm feeling. I'm not trying to be stubborn, I just don't know. It's, it's that I don't have the emotional vocabulary to, to crawl, much less to walk. But a couple of months ago, I have a really good buddy, and he suggested to me that I do something. And at first I was like, man, that's ridiculous, I'm not doing that. Uh, but he said, no, just try. He, he told me to go home and to print off one of, those, one of those emotion charts, one of those emotion wheels that pediatricians use with their kid patients, like whenever they don't know how to express how they're feeling. I was like, man, that's, that's never going to work. He said, just try it. So I did. And I'll tell you, it's been life-changing. It's changed my marriage. It's changed my prayers. A couple of weeks ago, I was, I was carrying around this burden, and again, I didn't, I didn't know exactly how to pray about it. I didn't know exactly what to say. I didn't know what to name it. And it took me 24 hours. It took me 24 hours working with the chart, but, but it finally helped me pinpoint the thing that I was feeling, the thing that I was schlepping around with me. I felt like I had disappointed God. And that's a complex feeling for, for an emotional newbie like me. But, but being able to give it a name being able to express it, to bring it to the Lord, to bring it to the Spirit in prayer, it opened a door. Talking about it, it opened a door to healing. I felt Jesus' presence, His power, His release. I felt Jesus embracing me. I felt Him walking with me. Friends, we, we got to put on our walking shoes because then then we can lace up our running shoes. What I mean is this, a lot of times, a lot of times when we're dealing with a problem, what we really need actually is just a little distance. Again, I don't know if I'm the only one who does this, but whenever I'm facing a problem, sometimes I get so close to it that that's the only thing I can see. I get tunnel vision. My focus is only, it is only on that problem. And so all I see when we do that, when we get too close, what we see, all we see is the mess. We just see this big old mess, but with a little time, a little space, a little distance. Sometimes, sometimes we can spot, sometimes we can see the bigger picture. A little time, a little space, a little distance. Sometimes we can see things the way that God sees things. This is, this is Monet. This is one of the, 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 the water lily series. This is the, the Agapanthus triptych. It's in Cincinnati right now. Um, and some of y'all may remember this story from a couple of years ago. In fact, I hope you do. Because this is one of those things that, that I really hope that we remember. I want us to remember this because that the big old blurry mess, that big old blotchy mess of a canvas that we saw at first, I want us to remember it because that big old blotchy mess, it's right here. 
That's right there in the top right-hand corner. That big old mess is part of an even bigger masterpiece. But the only way we see it, the the only way we can appreciate it is by stepping back. It's by getting a little distance. It's by fighting the pressure and finding some perspective, putting on our walking shoes, putting on our running shoes. And finally, friends, you and me, we got to put on our combat boots. Because for, for a lot of us, for a lot of us, mental health is a daily fight. But for all of us, spiritual health is a, a daily fight. But in Christ, in faith, it's a fight that's already been won. It's a victory that's, that's guaranteed. Victors in the midst of strife, our choir just let us in. It's a victory that's already been won for us. It's a, fight, it's a fight against the flesh. It's a fight against the darkness. That's spiritual fight. It's a fight against, against our very minds themselves, a fight to, to change the way we think, a fight to change the, the way we feel. But friends, it's not a fight that, that we fight by ourselves. It's not a, a fight that, that we fight for ourselves. In fact, did you see it? Did you see it in Paul's letter? It it was right there in verse four. Paul says this consolation that we receive from God, that that consolation, we are consoled, not just for our own sakes. He says, we are consoled for the sake of others. We are consoled so that you and me, we can go and console others. It's us serving others. It's us encouraging others others, it's up loving others, it's up fighting for others, it's, it's intercessory prayer, it's standing in the gap, because Jesus knows. Jesus knows that one of the best ways for us to get through our struggles is to help someone else get through theirs. Amen. Jesus knows. Amen. From the very inside, Jesus knows. The incarnation, Christmas tells us that. That Jesus knows from the inside, every square inch of the human experience, Jesus knows from the inside. From the inside, Jesus heals us and he loves us and he redeems us. From the inside, Jesus changes us. From the inside, Jesus transforms us. The resurrection, Easter proves that. And those two, Christmas and Easter, Incarnation and resurrection, those two and everything in between, they tell us that that if we let them, God can change. In fact, that God wants to change. God wants to change the way we see ourselves. And God wants to change the way we see Him. And God wants to change the way we see our problems and our struggles themselves, our battles. Because they don't have to be the things that that always end up closing us off. In fact, our struggles, those battles, they can be the very things that open us up. A couple of days ago, um, a couple of days ago, Carrie came into, into my study and, uh, and she was in tears. I mean, she's big tears. And I know that's, that's rarely a good thing. I, I am emotionally savvy enough to know that that much. Uh, uh, but Jesus, or excuse me, that Carrie came into my, uh, uh, into my study and she, uh, tears, and she handed me this book. 
Um, it was a, a book by Ann Voskamp. And Voskamp has been, she's been really open. Voskamp's been really, really honest about her own struggles. She's been honest about her own struggles with depression. She's been really honest with, about her struggles with cutting. But she's also been really honest about the, the hope and the healing that she's found in Jesus. Right now, Voskamp is actually walking with one of her older daughters through some of those, those very same struggles. Um, and Carrie pointed me, pointed me to the story, she pointed me to the story that, that Voskamp tells in this book. She said that she was in the kitchen, she was helping her son get his, his spelling homework done whenever her little daughter, whenever her littlest daughter came in to, to see her and she, she, she brought with her some tape and, and a heart. She said, she figured out what it was. Voskamp said earlier that morning she had led all of her kids in this devotional. She'd led them in this devotional about their need to love others. And here was her little daughter. She'd brought in this roll of tape and she'd brought in this, this cut out paper heart. And a little girl had asked her mom to, to tape it to her, to tape it right here, mommy, she says. Tape it right here on the center of my chest. And Voskamp said that it was brave and it was brilliant. And, uh, and I'll let her tell the rest of the story. Boss Camp writes, if only we could all wear our heart right across the center of us so that there was always this, this certainty. God has not forgotten you. God has not abandoned you. God's love is everywhere around you. So when you feel in your marrow how you're loved by Him, you do more than look for signs of His love in the world, more than have a sign of His love. You actually become a sign of His love. My daughter looked down, smoothed out her paper heart, white and larger than life. And then the inevitable happened. What always happens, the heart breaks. Rips right down the center, just where she tried to smooth everything out. I swallowed hard. How in the world do you live with a broken heart? I waited for her eyes to brim and to overrun, but it's okay, my little girl continued. Maybe the love gets in easier right where the hearts broke open. Maybe the love gets in easier right where the hearts broke open. And maybe it gets out, maybe it flows out easier from there too. We walk and we run and we fight. We fight not with each other, but for each other. Our messes becoming the stuff of God's masterpiece. Because, because it's not the pressure that matters, friends. It's the pressing. It's you and me pressing on, you and me, us together, pressing on together. Us pressing on to the heavenly call of God through the grace of Christ Jesus, our Lord. As we pray. Lord, our God, we come before you, the great creator of all that is this morning, Lord, confessing our need, confessing our brokenness, naming it, God, in as much as we are able. Lord, help us.
because we need you. God, we need you. Forgive us for all those times that, that we've pretended otherwise. Lord, we need you. We need that, that transcendent understanding of who you are. That unimaginable love that you have for us, arms that, sh- that frame the world, now come to embrace us and us alone. God, give us that knowledge that we might sense your consolation. But then, Lord, don't, don't let us hog it. Let us share it. To do with it what you would have us do, to steward it well in this world, in this community, in this church, in our homes. God, because we're broken. And we may fake a good game, but Lord, you know. You know we're broken. And so right now, God, I I pray for each and every individual, each and every family, each and every marriage, each and every soul in this room and those joining us online. God, I pray a blessing. I pray healing over each and every soul that's struggling right now with depression and anxiety and grief and brokenness and addiction and pain. They're struggling with fear, the specter of loneliness. Oh God, come to us and be so very real. Speak healing over us. God, this morning I pray a blessing over each and and every counselor and therapist and doctor, every mental health professional that's in this room. Lord, I pray for their wisdom and for their discernment that those who, who are being treated by them, Lord, that they would experience you. That it wouldn't just be a, a mental health sort of thing that we're doing, but God, it's a spiritual health too. Lord, open our eyes and open our ears and open our souls that we might receive all that you are and all that you have, Lord, so that we can be all that you tell us we can become. So Lord, we pray, come to us. Take us and change us. Because we offer you this prayer as we offer you our very lives. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss new releases. We'll have new podcasts coming out all the time. Be sure to check us out online at whiteschapelumc.com. Please download the WC Life app and follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things WC.